This week on the Koshcast. De Bruyne runs things while Arteta waits in the wings. In the battle for Portuguese supremacy, Mu beats Nuno, but not heavily. Liverpool's run goes on, that's proceeding scarily. And will Ancelotti be useful at Everton? We debate that merrily. All this, a Champions League draw reaction, and a whole lot more. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Roche is here. Hello, everybody. And Bernie's here. Hello. And Mohanid is spending the evening with the in-laws. Wonderful, wonderful. I hope they have a great time not podcasting. 100% this is an excuse for him not to be here after an Arsenal performance, which was shambolic. I, I would actually like to hear a podcast done by his his in-laws family. I think that would be a great pod. It would be. Um, we, we would get our, our hopefully Egyptian football coverage and Arab football coverage. Exactly. Uh, by the way, uh, we did have a request. Shout out to Bahrain for winning the Golf Cup. Uh, yeah. Anyone lived in the Gulf like myself, you know that this is actually a big deal for those countries. Uh, and Bahrain beat Saudi Arabia, and we expect the bridge between Saudi Arabia and Bahrain to be demolished imminently. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Saudis are going to take too well to that. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, all right, then we got that out the way. Shout out to Ali. Um, yeah. I, I, I do want to say, so Ali plays on our, uh, well, on Alex's because I only show up once a year. Uh, <laughs> co-ed football team <laughs> and Roche's team as well. And uh, he, I think, damaged his ACL. Is that what yep. it was, guys? Yep. And he, I was talking to him um, at a Christmas party over the weekend, and, and he said it put a perspective on players' injuries. Um, like how fans are always telling people, rush back, you know, do it for the team. And he's like, it put a whole different perspective on how he sees it because you literally cannot walk and you're learning how to do these actions all over again. Being asked to rush back is actually pretty crazy. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because it, it, it really did put a, a different perspective on that. It's, it's a good point. And I, I've been doing a little bit of, of training with Ali just to, you know, he wants to kick a ball around a bit before he gets back into a match situation, maybe in the new year. And what you were saying about relearning stuff is completely true. Like, he has new technique now. His left foot is way stronger than it used to be because he's had to train more with his left. Um, it's kind of like being a, a new footballer again. It, it's really interesting. Yeah, it, 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 it's pointed to me right now because I just saw a video of Paul Pogba dancing at his brother's wedding. Yep. And all the comments from my United fans are, oh, your ankle looks fine. You, you must not be injured. Uh, and it's like, like what? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, yeah fans are silly. They're so silly, aren't they? Absolutely. Anyway, uh, Alex, why don't you uh, tell us where we're starting off on the football matters? Sure. Uh, so just before that, when is Pogba due to be back? He's training full team training tomorrow. Oh, wow. Okay. So like matches in a few weeks, maybe? Uh, um, who knows? Who knows? It, it seems like he's going to be back for the run-in of games over the Christmas and New Year period, which, uh, which really is a boost. And it's, it's a time when you need uh, new fresh legs over tired, worn-out legs. Fair enough. All right. Um, so let's start uh, with 
last year's champions, Manchester City, and this year's champions of being a total shambles, Arsenal. It was 3-0. It was clinical. It was easy. Kevin De Bruyne literally did whatever he wanted on the football pitch, and there was nothing Arsenal could do to stop him. And uh, after that, Limburg called on the Arsenal board to say, you need to make a decision because I'm not a manager. Per Matasaka is the academy uh, is the academy director and he's not an assistant manager and we need to do something about the situation so uh, it looks like Mikel Arteta is being brought in but I'm very cautious about saying it because we did this last year or sorry 18 months ago whenever it was um, and it turned out to be Unai Emery and we all know how that went but um, did either of you watch this game? No well, I watched the second half when it was already done and dusted unfortunately I uh, did catch the goals and, and watched, you know, match of the day. I, I, I will say this. It gave me particular joy because, and I wish Mohamed was here to defend himself. He has this agenda that Kevin De Bruyne is trash, uh, which is, well, he says not trash, but overrated. If if that's a performance from an overrated player, then I want more overrated players in the Premier League as far as I'm yes, concerned. Yes, please. Like, he absolutely decimated Arsenal almost by himself. Uh, it was, and if not for um, Leno, uh, yeah. he'd and poor, and poor Leno, by the way, like poor, poor Bert Leno. He has to do so much work; is unbelievable. But if not for him, uh, De Bruyne would have had a hat trick uh, in in this game. Um, just, uh, I don't even know if Arsenal should be ashamed of themselves because in second half this actually turned to a training session. <laughs> but I don't know if it's they should be ashamed or just this is what where it is. Like I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I always feel I feel bad for Arsenal in the sense that, you know, they've brought in a club legend over here looking for a new manager of bounds. And just in time for the Christmas period, like, you know, over the December period, a lot of games, a good time to have a new manager of bounds. And they've got the absolute opposite. I feel like they're almost performing worse than they were in the final days of Emery. Um, and you can see this is a big game. This is the first big game that, that a new manager has had an opportunity to manage. And within two minutes, De Bruyne has scored a goal completely unmarked. And by halftime, they're down 3-0 at home. I think that I, I almost feel bad. I mean, um, you, know, some of, you know, outside of this game, going into this game, Ozo's tweeting about, you know, political events. And, and there's a lot of political factors going into this game that might have gotten into his head and affected his performance. But, you know, it just seems like there's no, there's no control over what, what is going on in terms of pre-match preparations. Um, and and it's it's I almost feel really bad for Arsenal that they got absolutely walloped in this game, and I feel like the wheels are coming off the bus. Is that is that a fair assessment, Alex? Uh, the wheels have been off for a couple of years. Um, the, the wheel the wheels fell off uh, towards the end of Arsene Wenger's reign. They have not been. Uh, Emery looked like he put them back on again for a little bit at the start of his tenure, but they they've been off for a long time. And and since Lundberg took over, things haven't got worse, but they haven't got better. Um, I mean, Pepe scored a goal from open play. That hadn't happened under Emery, so that there's a, there's a, that's going to be on on Lundberg's record. But let's talk about Ozil for a second because you brought up um, an interesting point, which is that he's now embroiled in this uh, this political story. Um, he obviously, I'm sure everyone knows, tweeted about the plight of the Uyghur Muslims in China and their oppression um, by the Chinese state. Uh, he's now been deleted from the Chinese internet in retaliation. And a lot of Chinese Arsenal fans apparently would make creative videos of them burning their shirts and what have you. Um, 
and you know that whole situation's going crazy but what i was upset about was arsenal releasing a statement distancing themselves from his comments now i understand that the club doesn't want to get into it right i, I mean I, and even that is a stretch for me because i i don't understand actually I, I i don't i don't think it should be controversial for a football club to say they're against you know the mass detention of of people based on religious grounds um but in this day and age it is and if they didn't want to do if they didn't want to agree with Meza Ozil they could absolutely have said nothing couldn't they I think that you have a situation similar to the NBA when Daryl Morey GM of the Rockets said something and then the NBA kind of came out and I mean I think that Arsenal should have not said anything. I mean, the, the end outcome is that the game wasn't shown in China. So whether they said something or not, it was the same outcome anyway, right? So they, they might as well have not said anything. Or they could have talked to the Chinese and said, hey, what's, what's happening here, right? And then been strategic about this, if I'm being cynical, right? You say, like, what are you going to do? If they say they're going to ban you anyway, then don't say anything. Or just come out and back your guy. However, Just on that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, go on. No, it's just that, I mean, we know the reality of what's going on. Um, there are some people that do not feel like there is something going on. So it's, I'm, I'm not sure that clubs should get political in the first place. I'm just not sure. For me, I think players can and should, by the way. And as a, as a prominent Muslim, I think Ozil is well within his rights and maybe even should be, you know, saying things. But I don't know. It's it's a bit dicey when it comes to organizations for me. I'm I'm not sure what what I think about that. It's also super. It's unclear as to how much uh, publicity uh, Ozil can actually spread about this because it's like okay, on one hand, does he have all the facts? On the other hand, um, you know, given that he is such an influential figure and he probably has a massive Twitter following, um, like is he is he allowed to post these events? I mean. I, on one hand, you have the freedom of speech that he should have, obviously, and that's what Twitter gives you. And on the other hand, because you're representing a sports organization and the sports organization is involved in business deals, not limited to potentially the sale of players to and from the Chinese league, for example, um, that becomes a very complicated matter that I'm not sure there's much framework of how to guide it. Well, so, I, I think I think fundamentally, can we not, use morality to guide it i mean if you know if someone you know it's it's the most extreme example but it's pretty it's pretty relevant if if a player in the 1930s tweeted something about the nazis and what they were doing to jews um then you know that we're it's it's a relevant comparison like this is what's happening to muslims in china and meza Ozil has the facts that we have which we you know which we have these are un inspectors that have made statements that you know this is reliable information um and i'm actually quite proud of him for saying something it's it's pretty incredible that that there isn't more being said about this it's it's an absolutely dire situation um so I, I will say I, this, I, I don't uh, care about Arsenal's business interests. Like there, there are greater things. The greater good is is at hand, right? I absolutely agree. I will say this: Meza Ozil, for me, off the pitch has been a stellar human being. You know, po pointing out racism and Islamophobia in Germany and all that stuff. And I think he's doing good work. Um, so 
absolute props to to him for that. And maybe Arsenal should have stood firm um, with him. Uh, I'm 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 just I'm just not sure what the the position of a club should be when it comes to politics, personally, um, especially as most of these clubs get into very dicey political situations anyway for profit. I don't like that either. So I'm, I'm just not, not sure. But um, let's stay on the pitch for a little bit because this guy was not there. <laughs> See, what he, what he is off the pitch, it's, it, and not on the pitch are two different things. It reminds me of Bellerin. Obviously, that's the injury situation, but off the pitch, that guy's an absolute hero. On the pitch, well, he's injured all the time anyway. So it's, it's I, I, I don't know. I feel Kevin De Bruyne showed Mesut Ozil what Mesut Ozil should have been for Arsenal when he signed. That's, that's what I think you guys expected, and you didn't get that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's totally fair. I mean, Lundberg uh, in his post-match press conference um, said that uh, he took the decision to take Ozil off because he needed to introduce more energy to the team. And Ozil was replaced by 18-year-old Smithrow. Um, and he said, you know, we're a team that wants possession, but sometimes we need to run and tackle. <laughs> so, yeah, his performance is bad. No, no better or worse than it has been for the last couple of years, really. This is really nothing new. Um, Ozil, the footballer, has been done for a long time, and it, it's just sad, as is the state of Arsenal. But as as good as City were, Arsenal were obviously horrendous and let them let them dominate. So let's look at, at the transition that might be happening. What are your thoughts on the Mikhail, Mikhail Arteta appointment, Roche? I think that um, any manager with experience uh, in his role as an assistant uh, for Man City would, would bring something new to Arsenal. I think that he's also got experience in different leagues, for example. And so if Arsenal are to compete on the continent in the Europa League or the Champions League, I think Arteta may have some insight as to how they should set up. Um, I think it would be a step up for him in the sense that he hasn't had a major club to manage before. But I do think that Arsenal would, they would probably be a bit of a new manager bounce here with Arteta. Whether or not he's going to be successful remains to be seen. And, you know, I, I think that given that he is also a club legend in some regard, that uh, it's not the most outrageous uh, appointment if it does uh, transpire. Fair enough, Bernie. Feel the same? Um, I think that Arsenal need... I, I, I see Arsenal... I think, you know, as United fans, I think there's a lot, there are a lot of parallels here, right? And I think that what Arsenal needs to do is take a couple steps back reset your expectations take some steps back and i know last year i wasn't into the idea of um Mikel arteta because i thought you know following wenger you need a big strong manager and all that stuff i completely 360 i think you actually need a Mikel arteta someone who just cares but someone who does he have the managerial announce i don't know i think if Vieira had done a better job at nice that would have been the guy i would have picked considering other factors I think Arteta might be a decent shout we don't know what he's going to do as a manager because just being Pep's understudy doesn't mean anything however you've interviewed him at least 10 times now you probably have some idea <laughs> of how good a coach he should be or what he can provide so with that in mind I would absolutely do this and I and I think you need to start looking at that very very seriously 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like to quickly add uh, before. Sorry, Alex. Just quickly, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, there's nothing to to lose from an appointment like this. And on the point that Bernie made about how uh, being perhaps understudy is nothing, I'd also like to point out that Jose Mourinho was Bobby Robson's understudy, and he ended up being somebody. So if uh, Arteta does come into the role with some sort of character, some sort of energy and passion, and, and he's someone who cares, then I think it could be a good uh, appointment, at least on paper. But just to, just to add one more thing to that is, listen, the, the recruitment has to be better. As I, I'll, I will tell you this right now. Zinedine Zidane is not a better manager than Frank Lampard, not a better manager than Oleg Solskjaer, not a good, better manager than Duncan Ferguson. I'm kidding, Duncan Ferguson he is. But to me, he's, <laughs> he's, not, um, like, he's not that good a manager. He has a good system and a good structure under him. And if you can get that underneath Arteta, then that would help him see, see his way through. There's some managers who just passion and caring could be enough. But if your structure, if you keep signing David Luiz's, I don't care who you are as a manager, you will fail. You will absolutely fail. I don't care who you are. There's two things here. So one is you're saying if we get the structure right, three Champions Leagues in four years. <laughs> and and the other thing is, please never say David Luiz's because that gives the impression of more than one of them. And that's absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Although you could argue that with him next to Socrates, you do have two of them. Um, no, I, I agree with both of you. I, I think um, whatever Arteta may have picked up from Pep will obviously be incredibly useful given Pep is one of the best managers in the world um, sorry my phone's going one second my oh look whose phone's going off I think we need to dock Alex points for this it's worse than Arsenal performance <laughs> actually I, you know I would just I was going to ask while Alex was speaking I was going to say how much did David Luiz cost how much did Mustafi cost how much did Socrates cost because if you're looking at a backline core Socrates, and Luis. Oh, sorry, Alex. I was just saying uh, quickly. I was just kind of assessing. Um, you know, if you're looking at a backline of Socrates, Mustafi, and uh, David Luiz, I mean, how much did Arsenal really invest in that defense? And B, how many transfer windows have passed that they haven't made any replacement investments? Um, technic. Well, how much did they invest in it? Mustafi was about four thirty-five million euros Socrates was about 20 and Louise was seven or so so too much obviously uh have they have they invested to replace it yes most recently they spent 30 million they've spent 30 million on William Saliba who is uh an 18 year old prodigy center back at Saint-Étienne and he'll be coming to the club next season so that's encouraging um Sorry, just, so what, quickly, what, I just wanted to add yeah. in there really, just before you answer part B, I was just going to say, perspective-wise, so that sounds like a total investment of just about one Harry Maguire. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. But you, they should have just gone and bought a Harry Maguire. And I'm not, Harry Maguire or someone, I, I just don't, I feel like Arsenal have known that the defense has been terrible since five years ago. Oh, yeah. Like, Liverpool knew it was bad. United knew it was bad. And United are doing a lot better defensively. They're seven goals better off than they were than this time last season. And sure, like, there are some issues, but they're not Harry Maguire. And now if you look at Liverpool, they came, Van, Van, what's his name? Van Dijk came in, 
to me, best player, like Ballon d'Or potential, right? I'm not saying that these things are automatic. I'm not even saying that United have hit the jackpot. But I'm saying there are players that you can identify who will, who guarantee will improve your defense. David Luiz, Socrates, hoping Colin Chambers, who you already failed to develop, those are not solutions to the problem. And those are things that we'll see Mikel Arteta fail unless you do the right thing and actually go all out and fix these things properly. No, I, I agree. Although I, I, I do want to pick up on the recruitment of centre-backs point because either really good centre-backs are becoming much harder to find. And I think, I think over the last five, ten years, we can say that's probably true, right? Because Van Dijk was signed and he changed the level of what we expect from a huge money centre-back signing. Like he completely revolutionised defending at Liverpool. It's ridiculous. Um, and Maguire has done well, although it's not been anything incredible. In fact, he's been overshadowed by Soyuncu coming into the Leicester team. Um, but before Van Dyke, all of the top clubs were really struggling with centre-back signings. We saw United with Bailly and Lindelof. And Lindelof is okay now, but... you know, nope, he's, been... he's rubbish. Okay, he's rubbish. Oh, Fine. Oh, what? Um, Lindelof is rubbish? Okay, and then, we'll get back to that later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Arsenal have, have failed to sign proper centre-backs for years. Um, who, I mean, Liverpool, Lovren, Skirtle, Agat, like for years couldn't sign a centre-back. Chelsea, last big money centre-back was Rudiger, who's horrendous. I, like, the, these clubs have really struggled to, to find them. I mean, how many centre-backs did City go through before they've got to Laporte? So it's not easy necessarily to find someone who's really that good um, but what I hope from Arteta, my, my biggest hope for Arteta, and from what I've read, he is someone that improves players individually. He is someone who got a lot of credit from Pep Guardiola for the improvement in Raheem Sterling over the last few years. Um, and what Arsenal really need is someone who can improve players personally, um, because they haven't had that for the last, you know, however many years of Arsene Wenger's reign, he either bought players and they worked or he bought players and they didn't. But the level of the player didn't change at the club. Same has been true under Emery. So that's really what Arsenal need. And I'm hopeful that Arteta can be that, but we will see. All right, we will. Uh, and that is enough about those two teams. So let's move on to the other, the other Sunday games. Um, Manchester United won, Everton won. One player who is improving at Manchester United is young Mason Greenwood. Yes, uh, Mason Greenwood's looking fairly good. That's three goals he scored uh, during the week, two in the Europa League and one over the weekend. Uh, Important goal because I felt like, um, you know, you could kind of see it coming that there was wave after wave of attack in the second half from United. And I feel like on the balance of play, maybe um, they came up two points short in this game. Um, uh, but yeah, like I mean, I, I kind of like what I'm seeing in terms of the play, the passion from United. Once again, we're seeing them drop points against um, like not top six teams. I think there was a stat that I saw that said um, United have picked up 13 points off uh, the big five teams this season, which is essentially four wins and a draw. And they've picked up 12 points from the rest of the op- opponents they've played. Uh, so that just kind of goes to show that I mean, while there is talent, there's not much consistency in this in the squad. So as much as players like Mason Greenwood are coming through, Marcus Rashford is looking good on the ball. Um, you know, the question of consistency is going to linger for, um, you know, until this, they can put in a, a long winning streak and actually move up the table. What do you think, Bernie? Um, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think 
Everton did nothing in this game, first off, uh, which is where I get into a bit of Lindelof. Um, they scored a goal, which was, first off, Luke Shaw defended like an absolute idiot with his clearance. Uh, amateur hour, and I can't wait for him to be gone. Uh, him and Ashley Young package them, throw them away at the same time. Um, where I criticize Solskjaer is by not being brave enough to just play Brandon Williams all the time. That, that's my criticism. Now, De Gea was fouled. He was soft, but he was fouled. He was shoved in the face and missed the ball. I thought he should have been stronger. If that was Pierce Michael, he would have knocked the guy over. But it was a foul. That should, goal shouldn't have stood. But Victor Lindelof was facing his own goal. I don't understand how you're facing your own goal in that situation when there's no one around you. He has to get his body shape and his positioning better. And this is now the third or fourth goal this season where he has, his error has led to a direct goal. Yeah, but it's funny. I'm, <laughs> it is, but then you keep these up, then you get into Phil Jones territory. And we can't have that. I'm going to have to uh, stop this runaway train over here for, because as much as I do want to see uh, Ashley Young thrown away from the team, which is happening and we can all rejoice, yes, great. I don't want to see Brandon Williams starting every game just yet because I feel like it's too early for him to be starting every single game and he will burn out. So I think that, that as long as Luke Shaw is there and he's putting in an okay shift and, and then there can be some competition for that left-back role, that's great. I think that the criticism of Lindelof is slightly harsh because he, is, he, he seems like he's improved a lot. And I feel like there is a higher ceiling for him to go as a defender, especially with Maguire and especially as the team starts to gel a little more. Um, and I mean, I, I do think it was an unlucky, uh, unlucky way to score an own goal. That's it, that's it, for sure. It was unlucky. I give you that. But it's just it's starting to build up, and um, and that doesn't impress me. Like it's really started. Errors are really, really starting to build up for 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 Lindelof. And he needs to fix it because Maguire is doing his job. And Maguire has no errors leading to goals. He's winning all the aerial duels. Do your job. But then again, this game did showcase that United lack creativity in the final third although Lingard should have scored in the 20 seconds in Rashford should have scored uh Daniel James should have scored they could have scored three in the first half but finishing was their problem but second half they had chances but nothing sensational you need a number 10 and Alex you remember when we did our transfer recap the one thing I said was don't care about center midfield necessarily because I believe in Scott McTominay and that's been proven but having, not having someone to thread the ball, you know, just play a good pass. Like, you see City. You see what they do. You see how, you know, people are scoring goals. And, like, um, what's his name? Uh, Deli Alley is actually now turning into a great number 10 on the Jose Mourinho. You need something like that. And not doing that, I don't know. I'm hearing about Holland in this transfer window, and that's fine. But I wish I was hearing more rumors about a number 10. Because yeah. that's really more critical than a than a than a Holland, for example. Oh, yeah. but Bernie, there is a number ten. The number ten is Paul Pogba coming back from injury. Paul Pogba, who's leaving? Like I don't care. Like I just don't care. I don't know. I feel like he's <laughs> going to be here. He's going to he's going to at least be there till the end of the season. And if they make the Champions League, I think he's going to stay. Make the Champions League, ambitious. Um, I mean, that's well, top four. They're they're like two points or four points off the top four right now. I don't think it's undoable, especially because they've beaten all the teams above them. Well, yeah, but that's clearly not enough. You've got to beat the others. If, if, uh, they do, if United do something in January where they get a number 10 and Holland, perhaps, then, yeah, absolutely, you can make a run. You're only four points off. That's not, not a big deal in that sense. They were 11 points off at this time last year. They were nine goals worse off defensively than this time last year. So, yes, the team can do 
things, you know, if they make those right transfers to score more goals. But if they don't, you're going to see this all the time. This is a young team. This is the youngest team in the league. How, they can never be consistent unless they actually bring experienced, creative players. That's when you will see consistency in the squad. Okay. Uh, may I suggest an experienced, creative German you could have on loan for a mere £350,000 a week? Uh, oh, no. you're talking about Mesut Ozil? How about yeah. not? Okay. Well, then you can just stick with your experienced, creative player, Juan Mata. <laughs> is equally effective. I, I don't think oh. Juan Mata can run faster than Roche, which is <laughs> which is actually sensational. Uh, um, honestly, I'll take Lingard starting in that position over Mata any day. Well, no, you, you might no. not be able to now though, because does he have a face left after Dan James smashed him in it? <laughs> he knocked him out basically. <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't know. I, at this point, I, I think Christian Eriksen, if I mean, Real Madrid not going to go for Ericsson. We know this. So, if if we can if we can pay pay forty million, let's do it. Like, why not? Whatever. I'm, I'm going to t- I'm going to tell you right now, that it's not going to happen. I'm very Christian aware. Ericsson, <laughs> Christian Ericsson does not want to stay in England. That's his thing. He wants to get the hell out of there. And uh, given recent goings on, I say fair enough. I, I, I'm well aware. I just don't believe that the market for Christian Ericsson is as good as he thinks he, it is. Bruh. Because he would have gone by now. It's there for a free transfer. He's not going to Real Madrid where he wants to go. He's not going yeah. to Bayern Munich. He may not, but you don't think Juve or someone take him on a free? Of course they will. Are Juve oh, drunk? Bernie, <laughs> Bernie you're, you're forgetting that Alex is a very, very massive Tottenham Hotspur fan. So I feel like he knows what he's talking about. I mean, that is also true. But if we're being real, at some point, Juventus are going to say, hmm, Pjanic, Rabio, Ramsey, Dybala, Eriksson? Like, Wait. how many do you want? They, they got Ramsey and he died. Rabio is completely useless. They need a new one. <laughs> Who's gonna take Ramsey? Ramsey back to Arsenal. I, I Ramsey, to, Ramsey for a number ten at United. Mate, Ramsey. sneaky, sneaky thirty mil. Why not? Yeah, I can actually price. see it that, happening as well. Honestly, that thirty million for United to pay for like a number ten, like at least rotation player, like that would be like quite a bargain for a club of United size. Just throw uh, uh, throw it in there with, with with like you know just like hey, <laughs> slip under the table. <laughs> yeah, I mean a fit Aaron Ramsey would actually be a perfect signing for Manchester. United. I do not want to see that happen. Anyway, uh, Man United won, Everton won. Uh, big dunk doesn't look like he'll be staying there because Everton appear to be getting Carlo Ancelotti. I think that Ancelotti is just taking the piss. I think he is on a retirement tour around Europe, rinsing clubs for loads of money, doesn't care what happens, gets the payoff when he gets sacked. I, I, Everton are just stupid. They're stupid. The way they recruit players is stupid. Their, their owner, Fahad Mashiri, just wants big names, and he's seen another one, and he's paid him a lot of money. And I think this is going to be hilarious. This is, this is a very harsh um, prognosis by Alex, because I, I feel like, okay, on one hand, yeah, you can criticize Everton's policy because they're chasing big names. But on the other hand, I mean, you're looking at, you're looking at a coach like Carlo Ancelotti, who's won the European Cup several times. He's got all the experience there is. He knows the game inside out. He practically, I mean, he's like the old man of football right now. He's the gaffer. And like, I mean, I take him over big dunk any day, A. And he's not on a retirement tour of Europe. Do you think anyone wants to go to Merseyside? Are you kidding me? I think that if he's getting an opportunity to coach in the Premier League, it's outside of the top six. I don't think Everton is the worst destination ever. 
um, can, can I can I completely disagree with everything you said? Uh, Bernie, please. I, I was going what? to. I will. Uh, what is the, happy what is you the Carlo Ancelotti hate? No, 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 no. This isn't Carlo Ancelotti hate. I'm a big fan, but I will accept that the man is done at the highest level, and I don't even think it's necessarily his fault. Carlo Ancelotti lost his job at Bayern Munich primarily because they didn't think he his training was. Uh, intense enough. He was smoking all the time. They felt his attitude was too relaxed and too chill. That's how he is. You're not going to go to Everton, which are, is a passion merchant club, and be just that chill and make it work. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Secondly, Carlo Ancelotti needs established, mature, good players. Yeah, Moise Ken won't like. We think his situation will get any better under Ancelotti? Absolutely not. Richardson, that's not going to work. The rest of them, Davies. Oh my God, I can't wait to Davies and Ancelotti have a conversation. It'll be an absolute mess. Like they need to sign better players, and those better players won't show up at Everton. That's why they're going to spend forty million on Iwobi for goodness sake, and keep doing stuff like twenty million on Walcott. It, it, he's not going <laughs> to progress this club, not by any fault of his own. But it's just a terrible, terrible fit. And if I was him, I would do what Pochettino and Allegri are going to do, which is wait till the summer, see the dominoes that fall. Maybe he goes back to PSG to finish something off or something like that because he was only there for a year or two and they loved him there anyway. That could be a route back. Everton, just, man, you don't need this payoff. You just don't. No, I, you summed it up perfectly. Like He's a man who is not, who is no longer at, at the top of his game or the game. And, you know, his last two jobs have... have like, what is Carlo Ancelotti going to do with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Mason Holgate? Like, it just, as you said, it doesn't fit at all. Um, and, you know, I, I, also, as you said, I like him. This isn't, this isn't a hate at all. I'd be very happy to be wrong about this and would like it if he did a good job. It just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's the same reason why I don't think he would fit Arsenal. The same, exact same reason as Everton. Yep. No, no difference. I think Arsenal need like, better players and need to reset and need to give him a good situation to work in. And that would be a, a terrible situation as well. So both teams, to me, should stay away from that. And he should stay away from both of those situations. Yeah, man, just go. Like, he's got a house in Vancouver. Just go chill there. Be rich. Have cake. Do what you like. There's, there's, <laughs> no, need, there's, there's no need for this. So, um, Roche has left uh, today. Uh, he absolutely does not want to discuss Tottenham Hotspur and how Alex is actually a Tottenham Hotspur fan, which is exactly <laughs> what Roche would have said. Although I think mm -hmm. he already did say it in the podcast. Of course, he has to get it in once or twice. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, we were talking about them, or we're going to talk about them. They won this game. Uh, did you watch it? Because I, I didn't. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, Wolves... Wolves kind of battered them, to be honest. Wolves were absolutely fantastic. Um, so much pace and, and and determination about their play. Um, you know, they get they got Moutinho and Neves in the middle are, are absolutely fantastic, and they moved the ball wide so efficiently, and then they just attacked Spurs down the flanks. And it was it was an interesting game tactically because it didn't look like meant to park the bus. I don't think that was what was happening. They were just being absolutely pinned back by by a rampant Wolves team. And they got lucky that Mora scored an early goal because it gave them something to hang on to. But watching this game, you knew Wolves were going to score. Like, it was just absolutely inevitable. 
well, I, I, I did see the highlights of the first two goals and oh my God. I mean, that, that Mora goal was unbelievable. And then Adama Traore hit an absolute thunder bastard. Yeah, so th- there, there were some good goals on show here. Uh, I, I will say that this reminded me, like, I didn't, I will, uh, from what I was reading and I watched like the match of the day and all that. And it, you're, it did seem, obviously I didn't watch the game, but it did seem like they were being pinned back. But I, I do think that there is a little bit of Jose DNA in this game because the average position of um, the Spurs team was very, very deep. And it's the same thing as it was in the United game where they were very, very deep, deeper than they were in the previous games. Now that could be a function of being pushed back or maybe like, like I, I'm, I'm just wondering at what point, uh, like how do we determine whether it's Jose going back to being Jose or they were just pushed so far back that they couldn't do anything about it? It's an interesting question. And I think they definitely were, I thought they were deeper in this one than they were against United. And I thought it was, it was perhaps more deliberate um, because of the pace. That said, I also think there's an issue and, and I've seen a couple of people write about it. There's an issue for Spurs in that their central midfield isn't good enough to control the game. So you've got Dyer there, who Mourinho likes because he protects the back four. And to be fair, Dyer has improved a lot in the, in the last couple of games. He was woeful earlier. Um, but then you've got Sissoko, who's there to do all the running that Dyer can't do. And that's fine if it's a midfield three with one other guy who can actually pass the ball. But neither of those two can. So they can't keep possession. So basically what they're doing in the last couple of games is going from the back to the front very quickly. So they get the ball into Delhi and Son and Kane and, and Mora. So they completely bypass the midfield, which is fine if you're playing counter-attacking football um, or you're playing a team that gives you loads of space in behind. But they're going to really have trouble. And I think this is why they'll have trouble in the Champions League. If they can't keep possession, you're going to struggle. And so until maybe Ndombele fixes that problem, or if you can integrate Lo Celso and actually have some ball players in there, maybe that fixes the problem. But I, I think that is part of, of why we're seeing what we're seeing from Spurs. And, and, and Chelsea, it's a shame Roche had to go before we get to Chelsea because they lost again. Uh, and it is, a, it is a bad run of form that they're going through, this time losing away to Bournemouth, who before this game were on a five-game uh, five losing run themselves. So a, <laughs> a battle between two teams massively out of form. Um, what what's your take on on what's what's happening at Chelsea at the moment? Um, their defense is horrendous. Um, I think that's that's simply what this is. I'm we've said this from the beginning of the season. Their defense is not very good. Now we can look at it and say they've conceded twenty five goals and Spurs have conceded twenty four. Sure, both those defenses are not very good, um, especially at the highest level. And we're saying like top six, whatever that's supposed to mean. Um, you're going like. <laughs> Their attack is going to be it's going to attacks will always have their off days, right? Attacks will just do that unless you're Man City or Liverpool. That's going to happen with attacks. So you need to have a resolute defense, and they just don't have anything near it. Now that the transfer ban is 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 over, get yourselves some better defenders. Absolutely, get those players because you're going to be let down. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I I would be very surprised if if they don't sign Ake. Um, not just because there's been a lot of paper talk about it, but um, uh, apparently, for, uh, from what I understand, so they have the buyback of 40 million, um, yeah. but it expires in the summer. So they need to do it between like now and June, basically. Um, 
and it just makes sense. Just makes sense to do it. He's better than a couple of the options they have. Uh, we mentioned Rudiger. I don't think Christensen's up to that much. I mean, he's okay squad player. Um, Zuma is dodgy. I like Tomori, but you know the, they need a bit more experience there. And Ake has been around the Premier League now for a long time, so I think that makes sense. I think that's a brilliant. I did hear that forty million. I think I believe it's true. And Eddie Howe kind of commented on it, saying he said something along the lines of it's not in his hands. Right. Um, and I think that's a wonderful deal because Leicester tried to buy him and Bournemouth says 75 million. <laughs> so, and then they said, Oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with Soyuncu who fell into their lap essentially. But this 40 million in this time, day and age, we're talking about center backs being hard to find. Like if, if they don't do that, they're absolutely crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy. He's entering the prime of his career. He's 24, going to be 25 uh, in, the, in three months or so do this deal he would definitely help the defense and then i think they can start to see some solidity in this team otherwise they're really really going to struggle and by the way this goal it was a good improvisation but the defense was so slow and coming out and you needed a leader to drill that into these guys and they don't have that yeah i think that's fair although i'm not sure that that ake is that if you're looking for the leadership from center back um I'd, I don't think they have that leadership in midfield either. I mean, you're looking at Jorginho is a, is somewhat of a leader in the way that the team plays, but not in the sense that we're talking about. And Kante is a quiet character and Kovacic is Kovacic. So it, it is an interesting problem for Chelsea. Um, you, you commented on their defense. I just want to, I want to comment on the attack a bit. And this isn't something that I've like, I haven't watched their games too closely and I'm not saying I've witnessed a pattern of play that that is worrying me but they've defended badly all season right even when mm-hmm. they were winning um and if we look at their last few games they lost to West Ham 1-0 they lost to Everton 3-1 so that's the outlier um lost to Bournemouth 1-0 um before that lost to City 2-1 so like they're losing a lot of these games by a goal and earlier in the season they'd have been, they'd have scored two or three um so I'm kind of tempted to say the defense hasn't got worse, but the attack is having a blip, uh, as you as you mentioned. I I think the attack is definitely having a blip. I think the defense is. I don't say it's got worse. It's been consistently bad. I mean, the the comedy of this, of the last four goals they conceded are hilarious. <laughs> um, but yes, um, Tammy Abraham had a really really good start to the season. Now, and a lot of people were saying a lot of stupid things about about how good he is. I think he's a decent player. Um, but Tammy Abraham is your traditional number nine. He's actually very different to say a Harry Kane or an Aguero who plays as number nine, who can actually create chances on their own. Tammy Abraham cannot create chances on his own. So if that supply line is not coming to Tammy Abraham, it's not going to work. And it's not been, it's just, they haven't had good enough chances created that could be a function of Mason Mount just being a young player, guys. Like, young players go through this inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Pulisic. Pulisic is just 20. Like, people, expect, people think, oh, Mason Mount had a great start, so therefore he's, he's this and that. Like, no, him and Pulisic are very, very young. And Willian, honestly, is done as far as I'm concerned. So if you take those things into account, the supply line has not been that, that great in the last couple of weeks. And I, I, they do have to fix it. Can we talk about Callum Hudson-Odoi for a second? Because they spent the last like 18 months trying to get this kid to sign. They eventually gave him, what, 115, 120 grand a week. He's 18, 19 years old. And he can't get in the team. Well, forget Hudson-Odoi for a second. Like, you know, I, I, I don't think he's going to make it 
because he has people in his way, unless he gets over William, which I think he should do anyway. But uh, here, here's one thing. And I, it, this was actually stark to me. Chelsea had 37 points under Sarri at this stage last season. 37 points. They have 29 currently. And they're sitting serious? in the, yep. And they're sitting in the exact same position. What the hell is going on with this points. league? It's absolutely a mess. And they were, Chelsea fans were yelling that yep. this guy has got to go. And here's, here's, here's something interesting. We talk about, we talked about Chelsea having this full throttle attack, right? Chelsea scored 35 goals at this point last season. Chelsea have currently scored 31 goals. And they gave their they've goals against is 25. Currently, their goals against last season at the same time was 14. So, <laughs> sorry, got a lot of shit, and, and Lamps got a lot of credit. Yeah. And I know the circumstances are different, but this, this is why I said to people this notion that just because they didn't have a transfer ban, they're expected to do badly. Chelsea have and had a good squad, and they had a good manager. People need to put things into their right perspective. Chelsea team is probably doing as good as it can right now. And that's not all that good. That's a very good point. Very well made. I would also, just to add to that, um, our friend uh, David Rudin wrote a good piece uh, for Statsbomb today about how Jorginho this season, who is getting praise and rightly so, uh, is, has basically been the same player as he was last season when he was being abused from all sides <laughs> by everyone. And it just goes, it just adds to, to that narrative of, of the person in charge really makes a massive difference to how people view the team. It, it's, it's actually crazy when you put it in those terms, the, the level of, of vitriol that was aimed at Mauricio Sarri, who is a good manager doing a pretty good job. Uh, let, let's touch on Liverpool. Mohamed Salah. Uh, this is the thing with Liverpool is that their forwards just like take it in turns to have great weeks. And uh, this week, leader of the team, Sadio Mane, kindly steps aside and handed the baton to Mohamed Salah. I appreciate you saying kindly because, it, you know, considering it's his team, like I'm, I'm very... And by the way, we do this all the time. Uh, Mohamed and I go back and forth on the group chat about uh, whose team it is. Unfortunately for me, at some point, I apologized and took it back. Now I'm taking it back again. It still is Mane's team, despite the fact that Salah did an absolute madness um, with the back flick. Is that what we're called? Like, it's a chop or something? I don't know back, what you call back, it. Back chop? Let's, let's call, call it that. Back let's chop's good. That, that, that was brilliant. I, I, I have to say that was absolutely brilliant. Um, I do want to harp on VAR a little bit. Please. Uh, <laughs> Like, okay, two things. We talked about the hair, but now let's talk about, um, what's his name? Sadio Mane, right? He scored. Header? Or was that Salah scored a header? I think it was Salah. Salah scored both goals. No, but the one that was chalked off was that. Oh, that was Mane. Unbelievable. They brought out their stupid protractor and compass to, to, <laughs> <laughs> to do this thing. And I'm like, actually, I didn't think he was offside this time. Like, it's just, <laughs> I don't get it. I, I, I don't. Get it. Like, those two situations this week made me think, if you're going to be this anal about um, offside, why aren't you anal about a shove in the face to a goalkeeper? Yeah. I, like, like what, 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 why is it offside that is the one thing that VAR is so upset about that they just have to deal with? Especially I, when, in many occasions, like, it doesn't make that much... Like, it's not as if that millimeter is the reason for the goal. You know, like if if a if a cross is coming in 
and I, as the attacker, shove a defender in the back so that he can't reach the header and I nod it in. But that doesn't get called back. Like, that is a much bigger advantage than me having two millimeters, me being two millimeters ahead of him in a, in a foot race. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 I'm sorry, man. I don't get it. <laughs> but anyway, it was, it was a sensational uh, play. Again, it, Liverpool are doing this thing where they're good and they're good enough to win the game. But yep. they're not doing a city who are like, when the city are good, city will pump you for eight, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not, I, I think Liverpool can do that. I'm just not entirely sure that they care to do that. I think they're just like, eh, yeah. 2-0, let's go. Good day's work. And that's absolutely fine, too. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, it might be sensible. If, if, I'm not sure if it means they're conserving energy, but they need to because the squad's not that big. and they're doing absolutely brilliantly. I mean, they're unbeaten in 34 Premier League games. Um, so, you know, uh, obviously the record is Arsenal at 49. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to get worried. It, like, th- There's a big difference between 34 and 49, but it, it's hard to see them losing a game. It really is. But they are very reliant on a few key players. Um, and so if they can rest, if they can, you know, even if they take their foot off the pedal for 20, 30 minutes at the end of a game that they like this, that they're winning two, three, nil, you know, I, I think that's, that's smart. But you know what? Um, uh, <coughs> sorry, hold on. I'll cut this out. <coughs> um, Liverpool are mitigating these issues. Like I know they have a lot of injuries currently, but if they lose Salah or Amane, they're going, I mean, they're basically signing Takumi Minamino. Um, who, you know, we'll see how he adapts to the Premier League, but on paper, this thing makes sense, right? Like, he's that kind of player, can play across the front, um, could slot in there. Um, It's just, again, it's a club that has a good, like, forget Klopp. I think Klopp's a great manager, but also the structure under there makes so much sense. This is 7.5 million pounds for this guy. Like, this is... is, this is a Daniel James type of thing where it's like either he's great or whatever. Like, who cares? Like, you, you should do more of those types of things. And this guy has Champions League experience compared to that, right? So this, is, this makes a lot of sense to me. And I, and I think they will be fine with injuries because they will do the right things in the marketplace and, and, and others. The, a couple other things about the Minamino transfer. One is that it's going to be glorious when he and Firmino are in the same team. It just the, That, from a commentator, is going to be fantastic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and that for the fans um but the other thing is that i'm just i'm just annoyed just as someone who is a fan of any club that isn't liverpool is this is just so annoying like why do they get this great player for 7.5 million because they seem to have a a cozy little relationship with with the selling club and Klopp loves them and they love Klopp, and it's all very uh, we're honored that liverpool want our players come on Come on. I'm, I'm sorry, Alex. Listen, when you have a structure like they do, they're building relationships all over the place. Like, they're basically going to be uh, Southampton and Salzburg, like, uh, eight. Like, <laughs> well, well, Salzburg and, and, and Southampton are basically Liverpool BNC at, at this point. Like, it is brilliant. Brilliant. Sadio Mane came through that from Salzburg yep. to Southampton. This is going to be their new funnel. This is going to be how, how this works. And it's just brilliant when you get to do stuff like that and no one else knew he had a 7.5 million dollar release clause like how someone must have known and also from from the uh from the red bull perspective 
why did like he's been at the club since about 2014 i think how how have they just let his his transfer his, his release clause stay at 7 million well if the rumors are like they've done a great job, Salzburg, uh, maybe not not as good as Leipzig, but they've done a great job. And considering they're in Austria, probably they don't think too highly of themselves because yeah. the rumor now is that uh, Erling Braut Holland has a 17 million release clause, which, if true, they're insane. <laughs> so this is a pattern of theirs that they need to fix, but probably these two guys are going to fix that for them because the next guys, like Juan Lee Chan, sorry, bro, you're going for 50. <laughs> uh-huh. Very much so. Yeah. I, I, honestly, the, I, I saw someone say the other day that Haaland has been distracting people from, from, from Lee Chan, and I think that's a good point, to be honest. He's brilliant. Juan Lee Chan really is, really is good. Where'd they get these kids, man? It's crazy. Uh, has Minamino officially, like, that's, it's, I think they've officially announced this thing. I, th- I think they did. Today. I actually haven't seen that. I could, I could have missed it, but I haven't seen it. Oh. But it's as good as done. Like, everyone knows it's happening. Yep. Uh, last of the Premier League, Leicester won. No, they drew with Norwich 1-1, Timu Puki. And then Vardy had a goal chalked off by the dubious goals board. Um, yep. Yeah, that, I think that hands it to, to Liverpool at this point. Good they are 10 points clear of Leicester. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no. it's, it's done. Yeah, plan your, plan your parade. It's, it's all good. A quick question before we move on from Liverpool. I was a bit surprised, to be honest, that Jurgen Klopp signed a, a four-year extension. Um, simply because I wondered what else there is for him to do at Liverpool if he wins the league this season. He's got the Champions League. He's been to two Champions League finals, might be three Champions League finals by the end of this season. He'll have won the league for Liverpool, which is an absolutely phenomenal achievement, turned them into the best team in Europe. To me, it seems like there's only down to go from there. Um, what, what did you think? I think that he loves the club, and I think that he loves how things are going. Um, I don't believe that he left Dortmund because he was bored. He left Dortmund because in the season that he was last season, he was there. I think they finished seventh or something. It was not going well. And he actually left for, because he thought he wasn't being useful to them anymore. It was, it was very much just what he said. Now, if I always felt that Jurgen Klopp would stay if he had a good working environment. He doesn't seem like a shifty Guardiola type of guy to me. Um, he's not in it for himself. He's in it for for the club. He's like as much as I hate Liverpool, I have nothing but respect for Jurgen Klopp as a manager, and nothing but respect for the way he approaches the job and approaches yeah. the club of Liverpool. So it's not a surprise to me at all that he has a good situation, a good director of football, one of the best structures in the world. You know, easy, easy money, easy money for me. Fair enough. I, I guess that there is also the argument of you know, if you do leave Liverpool, where do you go? Um, Really, like once you're at the top, I, I suppose the ch- the bigger challenge is to stay there than it is to to take someone else. All right. Uh, so, so we got the draw for the last sixteen. Um, Alex, I'm gonna just read these through, and then you tell me what you think is gonna happen here. Hit me. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, Paris Saint Germain. Oh, I mean. Let, let's get straight to, to the best thing about this game, which is that it's scheduled on the same day as Neymar's sister's birthday. So <laughs> Injury. <laughs> Even ESPN are reporting this. Like, it's a thing, man. It's a thing. It's insane. The <laughs> mainstream media. Are report- anyway, um, bye-bye Dortmund. 
whether they still have Lucien Favre in charge at that point, we'll see. But they're not good enough to, to withstand PSG's attack this season. I, I think I agree. Um, Borussia Dortmund have been weird this season. And uh, I think with a Cardi coming in, there's a bit more stability up front. Where, where if they do lose Neymar, I don't think that they care. Um, if and now with Idris Agey and you know what they got in the midfield going on, and um, what's the name Sarabia has actually been playing a lot of games and doing well. Uh, I think they're a bit more balanced. So yeah, I agree. Uh, PSG go through and probably easily. Yeah. Uh, Real Madrid and you know what? Hold on, I'll save that one. Atalanta, Val- Atalanta. Wow, Atalanta versus Valencia. Atalanta is an underwater world, isn't it? <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> Uh, this is this is a tough one. My instinct is that Atalanta will have too much going forward for Valencia, but I de- I can't profess to know Valencia very well as a team. They they seem to be quite scrappy. Um, they only just made it through the group stage though. So uh, although so did Atalanta. I this is a real guess for me, and I kind of want At- Atalanta to win, so I'll, I'll go with them. But what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. The only thing is, I feel like Duvan Zapata is going to score some goals, um, but I, I can't say that I know enough about these teams. Now, Valencia came out of a tough group, so if 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 I have to give anyone anything, I'll probably give Valencia for having Champions League experience and coming out of a really tough group with Ajax and Chelsea. Um, so yeah, sure, why not? I'll go for Valencia to squeak through. Fair enough. They also they were also in La Liga. They were a, a Thibaut Courtois extra time header away and Benzema finish from uh, from beating Real Madrid. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Atletico versus Liverpool. Diego Simeone's last uh, Champions League tie as manager of Atletico Madrid. Oh, big call! Big call! <laughs> Oh, I, I think going this is, down, man. Yeah, it's been a rough season for Atletico Madrid. They're trying to become Atletico Madrid 2.0, as Gabriel Marcotti put it, and I'm not sure that transition is going very well. Um, one thing's for sure, this is going to be a crossing show for the ages. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Trippier and Lodi and, and, oh, man, Trippier gets to go up against Mane again. He's oh, going to yeah. have absolute PTSD. Oh my God! And you know that Trent is just looking at him like I have a better, <laughs> better curve on the ball than you, mate. Like absolutely. It's gonna be. I honestly like. I think a lot of people will expect this to be very close, but I think over two legs, Liverpool are gonna batter Atleti. I think it will be close. In I think it might be like nil nil in Spain, and Maybe. then Liverpool probably two nil win at Anfield. Fair enough. Uh, Chelsea Bayern Munich. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating game. Play Hudson Odoi. That's, that's all I want. Um, this is this is well. I wonder. Coman got injured recently. Kingsley Coman got in, injured, and I think maybe for the whole season. I think it, it was, was a bad it, one, wasn't it? It looked it looked horrific. Yeah, it, it really did. did. Um, so I was going to say this is the battle of the flying wingers, but unless Bayern sign another one, well, it could be Alfonso Davies playing. Uh, he's been playing a lot recently, which yeah. has been fantastic for him. Serge Gnabry is still there doing his thing. So yeah. Um, and and Coutinho's in sparkling form, although again this is a couple months away, so it's hard. Uh, we just don't know what Chelsea will look like. Then we don't know who they may have brought in in January. No idea what kind of form they'll be in. Bayern, will they have a new manager at that point, or are they going to leave it till the end of the season? There's so many unknowns with this, but it's two relatively young and exciting attacking teams. 
I agree. I agree. Uh, although I'm, I, I think it's going to be an absolute decimation <laughs> unless there's a defense. I mean, both teams can't defend, but Lucas, yeah. is it Lucas or Theo, Lucas Hernandez, I think, will be coming back. Uh, Bayern should be getting defenders back for this. So as long as the defense is back, Chelsea are not going to do anything. Lewandowski is going to have an absolute field day. <laughs> absolute field day. And Nabry will do well. Although, here's an interesting thing. Nabry, we've been praising Nabry recently, but uh-huh. his goals and assist record is like he had 13 goals all competitions last season. Like I, like it just struck me that when I was talking, someone was talking about Nabry and how well he's done, and people should take note. And I was like, huh? Like that's not all that hot. Although I think he will be brilliant. But I thought, uh, that doesn't didn't match the hype. But anyway, that's interesting. I mean, 13 is not bad for a winger, although. In, in the Bundesliga for a Bayern, for Bayern Munich, maybe you'd expect more. I, I think a lot of people saw him absolutely decimate Spurs earlier this season and kind of just assumed that he's a goal machine. But. And those are his only goals in Champions League. There you go. But I still rate the guy. I think he's a good player. I just thought, like, I expected to hear, see 20 goals. Like, cause I hadn't checked his stats before. But anyway, that's by the way, because Hudson and Doy is not going to be better than him anyway. No, that's uh, true. I mean, may, maybe when you, when you get to the byline or, or you cut into the box... And you could shoot, but Lewandowski is standing square of you. <laughs> you just, you're just like, yeah, yeah, I'll just give it to him. Yeah. Uh, this one is sad. I'm even sad I have to do this one. Leon versus Juventus. Oh, oh Leon. Oh. <laughs> what a season they're having from, okay. They, they had Junesio last season. They did pretty well, right? It wasn't perfect, but they were a good attacking team. Then they got, so, then, then, uh, What's his name? Olas appoints Juninho as his technical director just because he kind of likes him, right? And then Juninho appoints Silvino because he's his mate and he was rubbish. And then somehow they together band, but they band together to appoint Rudy Garcia who got sacked by Marseille for being shit. And then Memphis does his ACL and so does Jeff Adelaide. Like, it, it's just horrendous. <laughs> Like it's 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 so poor. It's so so poor. And as you said, to add to their woes, like this is, ugh, I'm actually scared for. Well, events have not been in the greatest of form. However, I will say, I think they're starting to warm up. And I think Ronaldo's warming up. He's got five goals in his last four now after not scoring for a month. And I think this DiBala, Iguain, Ronaldo trident is starting to figure this out. And by the time this game comes, they'll probably be really good. And Ronaldo might just stop padding this in this um, uh, this tie. <laughs> he may get five in this, this tie. This could make him Champions League top scorer. <laughs> it really could. It really could. Uh, so I think we're saying that this is going to be ugly. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham against uh, RB Leipzig. Also fascinating. I think we all know what's going to happen here, though. You, you were talking about Jose and, and parking the bus earlier. Uh, he loves nothing more. Uh, let, let's, let's be clear. He's coming up against Julian Nagelsmann, mm-hmm. the youngest, most progressive, most attacking. Well, actually, his, his Leipzig team are incredibly well-balanced. I think they have the best defense and the best attack in the Bundesliga. Um, but, you know, progressive, attacking, modern, dynamic coach, you can say all the same things about his team and Jose loves nothing more than sitting in a bank of 10 and, <laughs> and stopping good things. <laughs> and I think that's what's going to happen. 
and it might all be very much like Wolves against Spurs. I don't know. What do you, what do you reckon? I agree with you. I think that, uh, I mean, RB Leipzig, I'm just pulling up the table now, the top of Bundesliga, and they have 42 goals scored already. That's, that's in, after 15 games. That's almost three goals a game. Holy yeah, shit. I, I think I read earlier, 2.8 goals a game. Is good. It's, it, they're phenomenal. That's madness. And they've only conceded 16. Holy yeah. The, actually, interesting, the only team with better defensive records than Wolfsburg, and they've conceded 15 and scored 17. That's hilarious. What? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, look, I expect Jose to park the bus. And then when they win, uh, in this over two legs to actually run around Germany, like just strip down run around Germany screaming, poets don't win anything or something like that. <laughs> yep. Um, the, the, only, the only thing that, that, uh, that I, well, another thing I, I find interesting about this is that very, very kind of famously Spurs nicked a couple of Lille coaches when, when Jose was appointed, one of whom, uh, Jao Sacramento is very highly rated, right? And he is like 30, 31, about the same age as, as Nagelsmann. And he, he's the one that will probably be tasked with coming up a plan, with a plan for this. Um, I think that's just a little interesting dynamic to watch for. Yeah, way to make us feel really old and useless. Thank you. I know, right? <sighs> All right. Uh, Napoli. Napoli in Barcelona. <laughs> uh, Reno Gattuso's Napoli. Which makes it worse. So much worse, man. I mean, we we just got done slagging off Ancelotti, but like, Catuso, Champions League against Barcelona. This is going to be piss poor. Uh, it's, it's like, if this was actually Ancelotti's Napoli, I would be impressed because they did well against Liverpool uh, in the group stage. I thought they were resolute in Champions League, whereas they were like floundering in Serie A, but no. This is going to be Barcelona, so it will be straightforward. That, that's just what I think about that. I agree. The only thing that I can think of from a Napoli perspective is that who was the uh, the Greek god who put Barcelona out a couple of years ago? Oh, 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 Manolas. <laughs> and who does he play for now? Oh, well, Barcelona only do this mess <laughs> in the semifinals. So, uh, or, True. yeah, give it, give it two more rounds and then, then we'll see which, which person comes up and does this to them. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I'm firmly on the, on the Barcelona train for this one. All right. So I saved the best for last. And let me start by apologizing to Zidane. Yes, I slagged him off in the beginning. He's not a bad manager, but I just don't think he's all that good. Three Champions Leagues is amazing, but I do think it's fun to having a great squad. That said, I do think he's a better manager than Duncan Ferguson. I was just kidding, guys, please. Uh, I know uh, Rahul will get on my case. I was joking. Uh, you, you may have been, but... I mean, and, and tell me if this is oversharing, but I do think you declared this game the battle of the bald frauds. <laughs> I actually said bald bastards, which was oh, a Game of yeah. Thrones, yeah. Game of Thrones, like kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek reference. However, <laughs> however, we do have this running joke about Pep being a fraud uh, for certain reasons. Uh, and Mohan had said it on the pod last, last season. I kind of think that Zidane is a little bit fraudulent. So whatever, let's go with it. Battle of the bald frauds, whatever. Uh, that said, you did hear me just apologize before. So you know I'm mm-hmm. being tongue-in-cheek, guys, because I have to say this to Rahul because then he'll start telling me that Dana Jalof is better, which will just offend me more than this. Let's not uh, get into the Jalof 
to yes. love debate. I know. Uh, we did that last time. <laughs> just to, to, to jump to your defense about Zidane, just for a second, it's really hard to know how good a manager is until you see them manage somewhere else. And manage players who aren't that good and make them better. Sure. But even if he went to like a Bayern or a Juve or, you know, you still have great players, but just different challenges, right? Like, I, I think we need to see that from Zidane before we can come to an ultimate conclusion. But something tells me that he's not going to let us. I think so. And I yeah. think he'd be safe in protecting himself in that sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Smart on his part uh, for doing, to do that. Uh, on the game, I think the, Catalan, the Catalonian bold fraud will come out of this uh, better than the French Madridista bold fraud. Uh, <laughs> and I think it might be close, but I think, I think Pep will do it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, again, stuff to take into account January transfer window will city have signed a center back that that might help them out um that said i was looking at some stats earlier and and city actually have the most away clean sheets of any team in the premier league i know it's not the same in the champions league but it's it's quite impressive for a defense that we slag off every weekend as not being good enough regardless city are more of a team uh they they know exactly what they're about whereas Real Madrid is still finding their way. That Zidane's still not sure on his his best eleven. Bale's in and out of the team. Vinicius and Rodrigo are in and out of the team. Benzema is really the only kind of the, the fulcrum in in that front front three. And then the midfield, Cruz is great. Modric is great. Casemiro, whatever. But they're gonna have they're gonna struggle with the athleticism of of, of someone like a De Bruyne who can just run straight through them. Um, and the pace of, of Sterling and, and what have you on, on the wings. I think, you know, Real Madrid definitely have the attacking quality to worry City, but I think the opposite is, is even more true. I, I would say that, and this is, this is going to sound far-fetched, but I'll say it anyway. I think that Real Madrid winning this tie is totally dependent on Gareth Bale, and I'll tell you why. Uh, beating this team is very simple, being Man City. It's very simple. Whether you can actually put it into practice is a different thing, but it's a simple formula. Press and counterattack. United mm-hmm. did it. Liverpool did this. Even at home, Liverpool did this. Wolves did it. That's how you play this team. Every single time Liverpool have beaten this team, that's what they did. Transition. Them, transition in a couple seconds you're at them because even with Laporte, the defenders, and this is why we say defenders are not that good. They're not actually good one-on-one defenders. They're good as a team. And keeping the ball is a form of defense for them. And also Fernandinho with tactical fouls is a genius at that. But if you run through Rodri in the middle and you have someone with pace and they don't because they have Cruz and Modric, unless they play Fede Valverde, maybe, that, that, they'll lose that battle there. But if you have quick transitions, which Gareth Bale is built for, you can win this game. So I'm being a bit tongue-in-cheek there, but that's, I'm just saying that's the strategy to employ. I'm just not sure they can or they will and that's why i think city will win i i think that's an interesting point and i agree that bale is is built for the the counter-attack in that respect but i don't think he's built for the press i'm not sure bale is going to give you that press i don't i don't know that benzema is going to give you that press rodrigo and venetius might because they're young and quick but tactically can you rely on them for it so yeah fair point it is you know not the most dynamic either so they might struggle with that game plan but i agree it's the way to go if you can pull it off yep i i'm with you 
Um, that's it um, for Champions League. We don't really care about Europa. I will say that United will beat Bruges and go through, and Alex does not believe that Arsenal will beat Olympiacos and go I'm through. I'm certainly not going to put it on record. <laughs> <laughs> like, Olympiacos have Matthew Valbuena. He's tricky and little, and Socrates won't see him coming. Hey, Mikel Arteta might have sorted you out by then. Who knows? Hey, we can only pray, Bernie. We can only pray. Uh, one th- one more thing before we go. I think we've done the leagues. Um, yeah. So Mumo of the weeks this week ah. uh, is the entire Syria. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> or whoever oh. whoever's in charge of marketing, whoever their CEO is, uh, they they launched this no say no to racism campaign, and they decided to use this imagery of chimps. So they have these chimps who have their faces painted in all different colors. And I think they're trying to say, we're all the same and we're all chimps. Yeah. And it's like, what? What? (laughs) I just can't. They're so bad. Even when they're trying to do good, they're awful at it. The, The simplest way to say no to racism is to not make monkey chants, don't throw bananas, and don't make any and any at all references to human beings and chimps and just leave the monkeys out of the situation <laughs> completely. Remove the monkeys from your zoos. I don't want to watch any movies with monkeys in them. No. Just get rid of the goddamn monkeys from your brains. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Imagine having to say that to a whole league in 2020. It's bonkers. I I call on enlightened expat Italians, go home for a couple of years, enjoy your country's beautiful food and, and land, and sort out their bloody attitudes. It's absolutely bonkers. Honestly, there should be a, a, a banana embargo in that country until they can sort this out. This is, uh, this is unacceptable. No one's allowed a banana. No one's allowed to watch Planet of the Apes. Oh, my goodness. It's, everything is off the table until they can behave themselves. Oh, disgusting. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.